thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church, Bushland, Texas. And I'll refer to that a little more during the message, but that is yours. I want you to take it with you. I want it to put it in your Bible. I'm going to tell you that that's an incredible quiet time guide for the summer. There's about 36, 38 I am's on there. There's a scripture for every single one of them. And if I told you that that piece of paper is important, that would be the understatement of the day. There is nothing waging war in America like the fact that we do not know who we are. I'm telling you, upside our head on Mondays, upside our head on Fridays, upside our head on Saturdays, the enemy is wearing us out. And I wish I could tell you it was just lost people, but it's not. He is whooping church people as well and believers who know that they're saved, but they don't know their identity in Christ. They've never been taught who they are in Christ. I'm going to tell you, there's 38 I am's or who I am in Christ. And the minute you get up in the morning, if you'll take one of those per day, woo, mm, you'll be well armed for anything the punk has for you that day. All right. Too many times we fight war on this dirt ball naked. We don't know who we are, man. We go out there to fight somebody well-armed, and we don't have anything with us. And he's not worried about your position at work. He doesn't care about what you drive or your house. You can't tell him your name. He doesn't bother him. But you throw this stuff in his face with the word of God says about you, and he'll tuck tail and run. I'm telling you he will. Sometimes we fight with wrong things, man, wrong things, and that's why we continue to lose. I want to run through some stuff today. I'm just going to highlight some of those because I don't have a lot of time in the first service. I'll unpack more in the second, but I want you to think of something. What's my earthly identity? What's my earthly identity? I'm 6'1", I have hazel eyes, I have brown hair, really have less hair than it was when they identified as brown, but... But, but I'm dark-skinned, I drive a silver Jeep, I'm a pastor at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas, I live in Saddleback. Now, those are things that you would identify me, but that doesn't really identify me. The question is not what my earthly identity is, my, the question is what is my spiritual identity, who I really am. And I want to look at that today. I want you to go to a text. I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to run through about seven or eight of these. I'm going to do them in pretty quick order. I want you to go to your text, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. That's the overarching theme of the whole thing, those scriptures to all of these, as you can tell. Ephesians 1, 13. And you also were included in Christ When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having believed you were marked in him, you're going to see a common thing in all these scriptures, the word in Christ, in him, all that. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is the deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. In Christ. Let me share with you some I am's. First, 
I am created by God. Psalm 139:14:13 tells you that you are created by God. You were knit together in your mother's womb. Listen to me, graduating seniors and all of us, you better first of all know the facts that you were created by God. You are in this book. You're not in a science book. Okay, can I just help you that? If a teacher tells you, you're in the science book, I'm not in a science book. Tadpoles are in science books. I'm not a tadpole. I'm a created being made in God's image, knit together in my mother's womb. The word of God tells me that's who I am, and that's the truth on which I build my life. That's who you are. They'll throw a bunch of stuff at you, but that's who you are. You are also fearfully and wonderfully made. On that chart, there's, these are in there. They're just, there's 38 of them in there. But you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Why? Because God's crazy about you, created you, fearfully and wonderfully made with a purpose, with with a design, with a predestined, ordained thing that you were meant to do. The deal is, when you become a Christian, you focus your eyes on the king and you trust him as he unfolds that incredible plan he has for you. The problem that we have in the church today is that we raised great, wonderful, incredible kids, and you parents do a great job. I mean, my wife and I were here at the same time last year. A year later, we're here again. That was the fastest year in my whole life, I'm telling you. I thought we just did last year's senior recognition. But we do a great job of raising kids in great homes, raise them in church, raise them in great atmospheres. But what happens to our students are they graduate from their identity, and they don't know what they're in Christ identity is. And what happens to you when you graduate out of your earthly identity, I am so-and-so's son. I go to Bush and High School, Amarillo High, Randall, whatever. I drive this car as an 18-year-old senior. I got a diploma. I have a ladder jacket. I played football. I was in the band. I sung in the choir. I just walked the halls. Whatever the case may be, when you graduate, you step on to a campus that doesn't know you and really doesn't care about you. I mean, I remember the first time I was a, a freshman in college, and the, and the coach pulled all the freshmen together, and it says, he's talking to us about being ball players in college and all this other stuff, and he says, by the way, boys, I don't know how many of y'all brought your letter jackets to college, but y'all can box them up and send them back to mama because I don't care about them. I'm like, dude, I brought mine. I was going to show all my all-state patches to everybody. He don't care about that because he don't care about that identity. You got to start again. And you got to understand that you are made by God and you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Second thing is, or one of the things is, I am a new creation. The Bible tells you in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that when you become a Christian, when you get saved, when you give your life to Christ, when you're born again, you become a new creation. Okay, it's not enough to be born of mom. That's not enough. What has to happen is a spiritual birth. John 3, Jesus is having a conversation with Nicodemus in verse 7. He says, do not be surprised by what I am saying. You must be born again. 
Many, many students are born again before they go to college. But why do they struggle? Because you have to understand who you are in Christ. And there's a list of them. I can't cover them all, but there's a list there. Here's the deal. When you get saved, you are a new creation. The Bible says the old is gone, the new is come. The symbolism of that is when, when you get saved, you're cleansed and you're forgiven by the blood of Christ. The sacrifice is made. His blood covers our sin, makes us righteous, makes us holy, makes us new. In baptismal waters, the symbolism of it is like taking a bath and you got to use soap. Jesus' blood is the soap. So my mom says, take a bath. It's not just get wet. It's, it's get clean with soap. So you go in the water old and you come up new. That's the symbolism. And I will say you're raised to walk a new life. Why? Because they're a new creation. Students today, if you're a graduating senior, the greatest thing you can do before you go to college is know for sure that you know for sure that you know for sure that you know Jesus. The most important thing. And so if you're sitting here today and that makes you uncomfortable and you're not real sure, then you got some homework to do this summer before you ever step on a college campus because I can promise you this. It'll be tough enough saved, and it'll be almost impossible lost because there's some funky, whacked out, weird, goofy stuff out there, okay? And you'll get swallowed up in that junk, okay? It's like a quicksand. It's like a big quicksand. When you get saved, you become part of the true vine. I want you to go over to the Gospel of John real quick. Go to John. I want you to go to John 15. We know this text pretty good, but I want to show you some stuff in there. If you're a graduating senior today, you better be taking some kind of notes, my friend. You're going to want that card in your dorm room every single day. Look at John 15. Look at verse 1. I am the true vine. That's Jesus. And my father is the gardener. I want you to go down to verse 5. I'll go to 4 first. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the true vine. Vine. I am the vine. You are, this is us, the branches. If a man or woman remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You say, well, preacher, how do I know that I'm a part of the vine? How do I know that I've been grafted into the vine? How do I know that? It's simple. When do you think you did? All right? Got that date. Now you got today's date. If that's 10 years, I want you to look at those 10 years and go, look at all my fruit. I am different today because when, I was, when this choice came up, I was saved. And because I'm saved, I made a choice different than what I would have made because I, being lost. I know that that's fruit. I, I chose this group of people. Why? Because I'm saved and I knew in my spirit that that group of people was not who I needed to be with. And so the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me because I'm saved told me, don't do that. That's good fruit by not picking them. You see what I mean? So if you look at 10 years and you go, I don't see anything, then guess what? There's some bad news. 
you're not saved. You're just not saved. And I know you're a good kid, and I know your GPA was good, and I'm glad you were in the top ten, and I'm glad that college wants you, okay? And I'm glad you had a date at prom. That's more than some of us can say, all right? But here's the deal. You're lost. You're not saved. You're not saved. And I love you enough as your pastor to tell you the truth. I'm not going to smoke your chili and try to be your friend. I'm not here to win a popularity contest. I'm here to be your pastor. And if I lie to you from here, why in the world do you have any business trusting the Father? Why? The Word of God says if you, there's no fruit in your life and you're not bearing any fruit, and there's no difference from the day you say you got saved to today's date, you are not saved. And please, for the love of Jesus, don't set foot on an earthly university as a lost person. Please don't. Another thing that you are, you're firmly rooted in Christ. I want you to go to Colossians. Go to Colossians. If you can't find that, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. It's called the G-E-P, the G. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the GE Power Company. Sorry, that's easy for you to say and hard for me. All right. Uh, Colossians 2 7. Colossians 2 7. If you're in Christ, here's what you are. Colossians 2 7. Let's go to 6. Let's just set it up. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Have you heard the word in him and in Christ several times? Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in your faith as you were taught and overflowing with thanksgiving. Why do we do what we do? Small groups, men groups, women groups, youth groups, D-nows, summer camps, preteen camp, what all that stuff is. Why do we do that? So you can get rooted and built up in him. So that when you go out there in your mission field into the world, you can stand strong. No matter how hard the wind blows, no matter what the storm of life is, no matter what comes your way, you don't fall over. You don't become kindling. They don't make newspaper out of you. You stand firm because you're rooted in Christ, rooted in him. You're in him growing deep, deep, deep roots. You're also... You're also an enemy of the devil. I want you to go to Peter, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5. Look at verse 8. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled. And how, how can you be self-controlled? You can with the Holy Spirit in you. And alert and you can with the Holy Spirit in you. Your enemy is not your friend, who's not your buddy, not your homie, not your, not your buddy, okay? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Where it says someone in my Bible, I just wrote Jeff. What, what just, what, why not just make it personal? When I read that, I don't want to go someone because that makes me think of someone. I want to read it that the enemy, the lion, roars around looking for Jeff to devour. That, that, that kind of makes it a little more personal. 
That makes me mad, okay? That, that, that's like somebody else on the other sideline wearing a different color jersey. I'm like, no, you ain't going to score. No, you're not running here. I mean, that makes me mad. Let me say something to you students and adults. The enemy is not your friend. He doesn't want to lick you. Just going to tell you that. Doesn't want to, doesn't want to buy you lunch. Doesn't want to stroke your hair. He wants to cut off your neck. He wants to bite off your head, okay? He doesn't need you to be friends with him. He doesn't need to see how close you can get to the lion without the lion biting you and then convince your friends, I, I, I'm good. He likes me. No, he doesn't like you. He's sucking you in because he's like a big old shark. He sucks you into the water, and then he's going to eat you in one bite. And then he's going to lick his lips. That's what he wants to do to you. And too many times, man, what we do is if we know the Lord and we are in Christ and we're saved, we think we're untouchable. We think we can go out there and mess around in areas and it not affect us. Let me tell you something. The scripture says no temptation is common to man except no temptation is overcome man, which is common to man. But God is faithful and just. He will provide a way out. He says you will not be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when, he, when you are, you'll be, you'll, he'll provide a way out for you. Listen to me. What that means in, in the good old Texas vocabulary is get the fat out. That's what it means. Don't hover around and go, oh, your parents asleep? Uh-huh. Uh, you want me to come in? No, I don't want you to come in. I want you to get your little white hiney back in your car, and I want you to go down that road fast. Because I don't want you to come in my house, sit on my couch in the dark, watch stupid TV, and get bored. Because when we get bored, our brains shut off, and we make decisions based on our emotions, our hormones, and I don't trust them. So get the fat out. Don't go in there. Don't go there. Don't go with them. Don't go over there. Well, I had seven quiet times this week. I'm strong. No, you're not. Your seven quiet times are about to go down the drain too, all right? I'm just telling you, don't do it. You say, that guy must have been a youth pastor. Mm-hmm, for 18 years, okay? And I can still look him right in the eye, and I can tell you, a Christian kid will smoke my chili a lot. Right in my face will lie to me. Because they already know what you want to hear, and they're going to tell you every time. But you've got to be so discerning by the Holy Spirit in you to look them in the eye and say, you just lied. That's not really what you'd do if I wasn't standing there. You just got to smoke them. You got to tell them. And that may break your heart as a parent, but you've got to, be, you got to love them enough to tell them the truth. Who they are in Christ, man. You've got to build them up in Christ. We've got to row. I am a king's kid. Don't you ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. Even as adults, 48 years old, don't forget you're a king's kid. Don't forget that. You have a name. You bear his name. He is your father. He loves you. He's for you. He's fighting for you. He, he, he loves you more than anything in the world. He's crazy about you. You are a king's kid. And when the enemy comes to mess with you, you got to tell him like he did in elementary. My daddy will whoop your daddy. My daddy will whoop your My mama will whoop your daddy. All right? You got to tell him. All right? You got to tell him who you are because you bear his name now. He ain't got no business messing with you. And that's how you got to do it. You can't go, well, do you want to stay for a little while? You want to play? No, he don't want to play. He don't want to play. He doesn't. Well, he's smiling at me. Yeah, he sure is. He's going to be smiling after he swallows you too, all right? That's not what he's there for. He loves you. You're a king's kid. Last thing is this, and we're out of here. And don't forget it. I'm counting. I'm counting on the great 
I am. See, I'm not, I'm not the, I am not the great I am. But by the grace of God, I am who I am, and I'm counting on the great I am. You see, as parents of graduates, that's what you are. When you, when you can't touch them, when they're gone, when you've got to trust that you've done the job, and every night you lay your head in bed and you go, I am counting on the great I am. I'm counting on the great I am. This morning, I know I've talked a lot to seniors, but let me ask you a question. As adults, as seniors, as students, doesn't matter. If you're sitting here today and you absolutely have no clue what your identity in Christ is, we can fix that. You say, Jeff, I don't even know if I'm really in Christ. I, I, I think I know what that means, but, but I've never, I, I, I don't know that I've done that. Folks, don't walk out of here unsure. Don't walk out of here doubting that. Don't walk out of here going, I hope I am. It's not a hope. It's not a hope. See, these I am's have nothing to do with how I feel. They don't. These are not how you feel I am's. These are truths. They're the same every day, no matter what kind of day I get up to, no matter day what kind of day I have, no matter what happens to me from here to work, who cuts me off, who can't drive, whatever. It doesn't matter. Any of that stuff doesn't matter. These are concrete truths about I am this in Christ. Today, do you have peace? I mean peace. Peace that passes all understanding. It says these right here are true in my life. I know that, man. I have a peace that every one of these are true in my life because I'm in Christ. If you have peace today, you're saved. You know Christ. If you're not at peace today, you're probably not saved. You're probably not. And it takes a whole lot of things to go right in a day to give you peace. That's bad false hope right there. That's bad false hope. So today, don't walk out of these doors if you don't know the king. If you can't call yourself a friend of God's, if you can't call yourself a king's kid, don't walk out of here without that. And today, if you do know him, are you secure in him? And are you counting on the great I am? Let's pray together. Father, this morning we thank you for your word. Man, it's truths. It's promises. Mm, they're in concrete. They don't move. It has nothing to do with me about how I feel and what kind of day I have. These are concrete truths about what you say about me and who I am in you. Father, today I pray for anyone who does not know you. God, I pray they don't walk out of here today if they don't know you. They come and meet you. That they're not surprised by what is being said, that you must be born again. God, I pray it happens today. I pray that we who are in Christ won't count on us, won't count on ourselves, but we're counting on the great I am. God, today, drive us to our knees. Humble us. Break the pride of man that says, I got this. Let's be vulnerable enough to say, I don't have this. I don't understand this. I am scared. I'm unsure. But I'm counting on the great I am because I'm in Christ. Father, today, you speak, you move, you be glorified. Doing this invitation time in Christ's name.